Hello and welcome everybody to Take to Take here on Spirit Live Radio from Ryerson. You are joining us. The trade deadline is now, well, 10 minutes ago actually, and uh, it's been a frantic day in the NHL. My name is Nicholas Robinson, and today I'm joined alongside just by Patrick Talon because... Yes, it's uh, our first Lucas episode. Yes, we've got a actually a trade here to break right off the top. Yes. In what management has described as a method of addressing quote-unquote locker room issues, Tick to Take has traded <laughs> Luke Burrows to the KMN show for a conditional draft pick. And uh, Patrick, what's the condition you ask? The draft pick becomes <sighs> Nigel Gebekchen if Luke Burrows fails to return to the show at exactly 3.10 p.m. next Monday. This follows today's massive deals, such as the Florida Panthers acquiring Emil Juice from the Dallas Stars in exchange for a six-round pick. You know, some groundbreaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know, Patrick. Did anything else happen today? Uh, a, little, a little bit. A yeah. little bit. Lots of stuff happened. There's t- two trades currently in the process. We know Vatnin uh, went to Carolina for what was reported a prospect and a pick. And then the more recent one, the more shocking one, was Robin Leonard uh, to Vegas. Those deals have yet to be announced fully, but there's a lot that happened today. And I'm going to sort of, we'll go bit by bit, not just the ones today, but some of the ones earlier this week that we didn't have a chance yeah, to cover. Yeah, lot, lots to react to because we're still getting deals coming in right now. The deadline was 10 minutes ago, but this oh. is commonly when a bunch of stuff starts to fly there's in. There's another one. Carolina acquires British Brichet from the New York Rangers and for a first-round pick. There that's we go a pretty again. big one there right off the top. Pat, um, thoughts? Yeah, I like it. Um, I want to. There's so I don't really know where to start, but I guess that's a good one. A, a Carolina kind of got pretty injured and said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And um, kudos to them. A lot of teams. I think at the end we'll sort of break down the winners and the losers of of today's deadline. But just to rewind a little bit, we'll talk a little bit about some of those trades we didn't get to evaluate um, last week. Uh, one of the first bigger ones was Tyler Toffoli to Vancouver for Madden Schaller, a 2020 second round pick and a 2022 conditional fourth. Um, I think that's good for Vancouver, especially since Brock Besser uh, is out. Yes, this is us attempting to break down the Canucks without Luke here. <laughs> However, yeah, I do like that one for the Canucks. Um, just on paper, it's really good. Tyler Toffoli is a good player, and he complements that lineup well. Maybe I think the only stickler on that is that are the Canucks good enough to be making a trade like that? Mm-hmm. Are they in any position to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, that That's the big debate, right? It, it's I saw a tweet saying maybe that's the type of trade you make if you are one player away from a cup as opposed to one player away from the playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. But on paper, that's good for the Canucks, and in a weak Pacific division, if they want to go for it, they can easily win two playoff rounds now. So and, we will see. And how, how long is Besser's out for the rest of the season, isn't he? Or at least... Yeah, he'll be back for the, the playoffs, they're assuming. Yeah. Um, the biggest one, and we're going to jump right to your team, because this is one of the... First, I, th- I didn't think Pajot would be dealt till later on in the day. I was shocked that happened during our midterm. Um, Jean-Gabriel Pajot to the New York Islanders for a first, a second, and a 2020 second uh, conditional third. The condition is if the New York Islanders win the cup, you have to love it. Yeah, I no, assume you I love can't, it. You can't not love that trade. Um, at the end of the day, it's one of those things. It hurts seeing... Uh, a player like J.G. Pajot go, like it hurt seeing Mark Stone, mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne, Eric Carlson go, but J.G. Pajot's provided sends and fans lots of memories over the couple, past couple of years, or uh, over the long time that he's played for the team now. But the reality is he's got 24 goals this year on a rebuilding team. This is only the second time in his career he's hit 40 points. This is the type of player that you capitalize on, not when you commit to, if you're the Ottawa Senators in a rebuild. And I think Pierre Dorian did exactly the right thing here. 
Um, he did sign a pretty immediate six-year extension with the Islanders mm-hmm. worth $5 million a season. That's a bit too rich for my liking. I think Pajot's your perfect third-line player. Yep. And I don't think he's ever been or going to be much more than that now. Mm-hmm. He's like 27 years old. So, I again, perfect time to move on for the Senators, who now have three first-round picks mm-hmm. and four second-round picks in June. It's... What a wild time. And there was a little bit of anxiety around Sens fans a little bit because there were talks that there were maybe going to be contract extensions with Pajot, and I really thought Dorian was going to screw this up. Yep. Um, but to get a first, and I don't know, Lamorello, I, I, I'm assuming the the Andrew Ladd, Zach Parise thing fell through. That was rumored to be a thing. I wasn't really sure what Lamorello was doing. And yeah, there's we'll obviously, get to that one. of course, the extension um, while acquiring Pajot, uh, six years, 5.5? 5 million. Just 5 million. Just even 5. Um. But yeah, that's that's solid from the, like that's quite a haul for the Senators. I think that's what everybody's first reaction was. Like, yeah, it makes sense for both sides. The Islanders need probably another good body down the center of the ice, and Pajot's good. Like, he's a good hockey player. That's that one was never in question over his talent. Like, this isn't like they're trading for a guy who's like brutal but having a career year. Like, Pajot's always been a good player, so it fits what the Islanders need. The price they pay is really good for Ottawa. So it does uh, make a bit of sense on both sides. Yeah. And well, I, I think if you, if you look at the bigger picture, um, Lamorello traded a first, two seconds, and a third for Andy Green and Pajot. Yeah. Ottawa definitely and New Jersey uh, come out on top. Um, I'm not sure why there's still some weird obsession with Lamorello. I'm seeing it a lot, especially yeah. like on on Leafs uh, Twitter. Some for some reason, Leafs fans want him back. Um, yeah. The, these are pretty questionable. If you're an Islanders fan, again. Peugeot's good. Green is experienced. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, it's it's interesting times on Long Island for a team that might not even make the playoffs. Yeah. We don't know. Um, I don't know if you want to just knock Ottawa out of the way then. And well, we'll, we'll talk, just talk we'll, Ennis and Nemesnikov quick. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll do that. Um, well, I was going to go through each and then sort of re- regroup back at everything our teams did. Oh, okay. okay. I, I was just going to, yeah. If okay. You so off quick. other ones, Andreas Athanasio to Edmonton for two second round picks. That's very good. I like that. I like that because I thought Pajot was going to be the guy um, to go there. Athanasio fits better. He's cheaper. Um, I know this is the last year of his contract, but I think, you know, if Edmonton's actually adding depth after it was all torn down by by previous management, I think this is a good move for them. Yeah, no, good move. Uh, not that high of a price to pay for Athanasio. When I first saw that, I was pretty concerned for the Oilers' sake that they were going to give up a lot more than they had to. But it does look like uh, that's a pretty solid deal right up front. Athens is an RFA at the end of this year. So uh, the Oilers, who are notoriously in a bit of cap hell, mm-hmm. and they don't even have that great of a team, uh, we'll have to figure that one out eventually. But for right now, um, again, like we said with Vancouver, it's a weak Pacific division. And adding a good secondary scorer to the likes of Dreisaitl and McDavid with Athanasiu is a good move. It, The Oilers have been rolling the line. I think it's uh, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto mm. lately. So Nugent Hopkins has been unreal yes, lately as well. So they're going to need somebody to play with McDavid down the stretch here. And acquiring uh, Andreas Athanasiu seems like it's a pretty good match made in heaven. They will certainly be beaten teams for speed if oh, not yeah. on scoring yeah 30 goals 54 points um last season still relatively young he's 25 years old yeah um i really like that pickup um this one another earlier one that happened today 
uh, was Vincent Trocek to Carolina for Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, Itu Lostorinen, I there's a significant chance I'm butchering his name, and Chase Prisky. That's that's kind of a weird trade, um, but I feel I didn't expect Trocek, uh, first of all, to go to Carolina, but I think overall it's a better deal for Carolina than it is for Florida. I don't really know what Florida's doing. Yeah, out of nowhere this one sort of came. Um, again, like you said, I don't know what Florida's thinking here. The Leafs are reeling after uh, quite the events on Saturday that I'm sure we'll get to later. Um, and I sort of saw this as Florida's big window of opportunity to sort of jump up and steal that last playoff space for them from them while mm. they're reeling. Mm. But I don't think I've ever seen a team wanting to make the playoffs trade a top six centerman in the rush before. So yeah. I don't understand that very much. I think the return's pretty underwhelming too yeah florida's kind of in a weird situation after the offseason i figured they'd be much better i know they they missed out on on because apparently they were in on panarin but um the bobrovsky deal uh huberto and barkov were getting a lot better i was a little bit surprised to see them uh falter this much they have been playing better um it's it's a weird battle between the panthers and the leafs who's going to make that final spot because neither of them are playing as well as everyone expected them to. This is the worst fight for a yeah. playoff spot I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, there's not much else to say on that one. one I don't. The order here is all messed up just because I was trying to do it by magnitude of the trade instead of a uh, recent one. But another one we saw to Vegas as they're loading up um, in hopes to contend once again was Alec Martinez, um, 2020 and 2021 second round pick. I think... That seems like a lot for Martinez. Yeah, that that's kind of seems like Martinez's a bit much for Martinez. best days are behind him. Again, you're paying for experience, like the Islanders did with Andy Green, and I'm not sure if experience is worth what. What was it again? Two seconds. Yeah, two seconds. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to pay, <clears throat> and I'm not sure how much he's going to help them down the stretch here. Um, I don't really like that move for Vegas. I think Martinez probably going to hurt them if they deploy him. How I think they're going to deploy him. And they gave up quite a bit to do it. So that's a pretty questionable one for me. All right. It is 20 minutes past 3 o'clock. You're listening to Take to Take, um, a Lukeless episode. Just Patrick Town and Nick Robinson here discussing the trade deadline. Um, lots of action. And if you look at the big picture, this is one of the more eventful uh, and exciting trade deadlines we've had in recent memory. Last year's wasn't that great. There were a few big moves. But other than that, you know, there was a consistent move, at least it felt like every 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and it's fun for us as, uh, as sport media students. Uh, this was one that we were talking about earlier, um, Andre Kasha to Boston for Bacchus, um, Anderson, and a 2020 first-round pick. Yeah, I again, I'm not sure what the thought process was here from Anaheim. Because Anaheim's they're, they're supposed to be getting younger, and Kasha's a, he's 24, but he's still, that's still considered young, and he still has a lot of potential. Um, they take on the Bacchus thing, but even that that first round pick probably isn't going to be better than Kasha. It's going to be a late a late one. Um, I don't know what the what Anaheim's thought process was here. Boston gets a great player added to their middle six. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, again, this is the type of player uh, Kasha that I think is going to really fit well with the Bruins. He's a very underrated scorer. Um, he doesn't have the career numbers to show for it quite yet, but again, his fancy stats are very very positive at both ends of the ice and if he can stay healthy which is a big key here because mm-hmm. he struggled with concussions throughout his career yep. i can definitely see this one 
like absolutely like just blowing Anaheim out of the water here. Like mm-hmm. I think this was a really really smart gamble by the Bruins. Mm-hmm. And I like again Anaheim just didn't get much in return. Like they got the first round pick, but they had to take on the Bacchus contract too, which should have been the price to take on the contract itself. And they get like a C level prospect. Right. So. I'm not sure what Bob Murray's doing here. I think he could have held out for a lot more. Yeah, Anaheim's kind of a weird, a weird team. We also saw Devin Shore got traded to uh, where did I can't even remember. Devin Shore got traded somewhere. Anyway, uh, breaking trade. We're just getting another one. Uh, New Jersey trades Louis Dom- Doming. I don't want to say his last Deming, name. Yeah, Doming, uh to Vancouver. Okay, so loading up on goaltending. That's goaltending fine. Depth. I think. Um, that uh, he cleared waivers, didn't he? Yes, yes, a couple yes, days ago. I think he's uh yeah, um, he's waivers exempt now for a bit. So that's probably just goaltending depth. Um which is that's fine. Yeah, with Markstrom and Demko there, they've got they've had great goaltending all year, the Canucks, and if they want to go far in the playoffs, they're gonna need some depth. So I think that's pretty basic paper move there. Yep. Um the Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Patrick Marlowe for a third round pick. I like that. Yeah, again, Marlowe's sort of revived himself a bit this year, going back to the Sharks. Um, after a bit of a trying year last year with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but probably a decent move for Pittsburgh. If he's it depends who he plays with, I don't think he can quite hang with the big guns anymore no. in terms of the Crosbys and the Malkins. But if Patrick Marlowe's on your third and fourth line, the playoffs as a depth piece, I think that's fine. Um, a third round pick is probably uh, just a bit too much at this stage of his career to pay for that. But third. Yeah, third? yeah, a third. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. Okay, and uh, yeah, that again, GMs like to pay for experience. So if that's the going rate for experience, like I, I mean, Pittsburgh's looking primed for another run again. So you can't really say too much about this one. Yeah, and you have to give credit to Jim Rutherford as well, understanding that he has to maximize all the time in the Malkin Crosby era. Uh, yep. The Jason Zucker trade. I don't think we had a chance to touch on it last week. The Zucker from Minnesota to Pittsburgh for. Um, Kalen Addison, Alex Galchenyuk, and was it a f- first round pick? First round pick. Yeah, again, That's, great, again, great yeah. value for the Penguins. I um, think Zucker's going to fit in great with Crosby. So yeah, and he has he he already has a handful of points, so he's been doing well. Um, and it'd be cool. Marlowe doesn't have a cup yet, so if if this is his chance, we don't know if it's going to be his last season. Another team might take take a flyer on him at the end of the year, but if it's his chance to win a cup, that's pretty cool. Well, if there's one thing we all want, it's for the Pittsburgh Penguins to win the Stanley Cup again. Yes. Yeah. No. Well, I don't have as much. <laughs> Uh, I'm not as bitter about it, I guess you are, but that's different. Yeah, no. Um, a player I think almost all of us thought was going to be moved, but wasn't, was Chris Kreider. He re-signed with the Rangers seven years, $6.5 million. Um, Money isn't really the issue. It's more the term with this deal. Yeah, the term is a bit much for... I mean, you're essentially paying him for his 30s here. And... Um, Again, the money's fine. He's a pretty productive player. He has good fancy stats. Uh, he drives the net well. He's physical, which a lot of GMs like, and he scores. So Chris Kreider is a good player. $6.5 million is not bad for his skill set and what he brings to the table. But like you said, it's a term. It's a bit risky paying him that starting. I think the contract's going to kick in when he is 29 so you're paying him for the majority of his 30s, yeah, um, which is pretty risky for the Rangers. But if they have the space and they feel he's a part of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build there, then 
Well, it's weird because the, sta- the, the statement they released a couple years ago about wanting to, you know, admitting to their fans that while they had made the playoffs and gone on a couple runs with Lundqvist and, and, and Zuccarello and those guys, that it was a plan to tear it down. So oh, it's, it seems man. Kinda, okay. Yeah, Barkley Goudreau, first-round pick. Yeah, okay, okay so that's breaking. Just, yeah, one sec. Um, you know what? I'm, just, I'm starting to get heated because all the first-round picks that are being thrown around for players that aren't as good as Jamas Tatar and Jeff Petrie, I will go on my rant later on, but I want to finish this whole Martin, uh, Chris Kreider thing. Like, if you admit to the fans you're going to rebuild, it seems kind of counterintuitive to sign a player of his caliber um, to that long long of a contract. Um, but anyway, we'll get to these more recent ones, but I want to knock some of these off real quick. Uh, Wayne Simmons to Buffalo. This was a really weird one. I, was, I did not expect this. Uh, New Jersey retains 50%. New Jersey made a conscious effort to get rid of all their UFAs this year. What do you think of that one? I was kind of caught off guard a little bit. We had a really long chat about the Buffalo Sabres off the top of our show about and since then two they've weeks been good. ago now. And since then they've played fine. But it, what are they doing? You're adding a rental and there's six points, um, six points behind the Leafs and there's only 20 games left in the season. Now, it's not... Based on how the Leafs and the Panthers are playing, I guess it's not the most outlandish thing ever to say that... They could catch him. Um, you're like it's like a five percent chance they do mm-hmm. that. But I, why are you taking the risk of adding on a rental at this point? Mm-hmm. Like that's bizarre. Jason Botterill's got a lot of faith in this group. I don't know why he does. Um, they've proven time and time again that they're simply not good enough. But who knows if the Sabers go on some sort of a run here and the Leafs and Panthers continue to fall? Then we could all look pretty stupid in a month. But I doubt it. Well, yeah, it's it's weird because um, since you and I talked about and kind of went off on a tangent about how weird and terrible the Buffalo Sabres are, they've been playing well. They're six points back on, on Toronto, I believe five points back on the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Eichel's been playing well. They've been playing better. Um, and adding this, it's a, it's a low-risk, high-reward move. He's a UFA at the end of the year. I didn't expect – apparently Simmons waived his uh, – waved his claws to actually go there. I thought Simmons was going to go to a place uh, such as Vancouver, so I was a little shocked um, to see him go. Now, do we want to talk about our teams? We'll talk about the trades. Yeah, Barkley Goodrow, 25 years old or 24 years old. He has 20 points, and he gets a first-round pick. All of these first-round picks that are being thrown around today is only making me more pissed off. Yeah, that that one's that one's weird because Barkley Goodrow is like a fourth-liner. Um I don't think that's market value. I think that's just an outlandish trade um, for a big physical guy that scores in the playoffs because he scored a Game 7 overtime winner last year. I think that's the only reason he's getting that sort of price. But I get your frustration because um, at the end of the day today, I watched the Senators do exactly what they needed to do and flip all their good assets that they have left. The tearing down is done for us, but Patrick... Yeah, I can't imagine how you're feeling. Well, um, perhaps a bit frustrated with one Mark Bergevin. Uh, yeah, um, this has been the theme since he was hired. Uh, I don't think Mark Bergevin is an intelligent man by any means. You look at the trade Scandella uh, for a second round pick. That was fine. Uh, Thompson got a fourth today. That's fine. Kovalchuk got a third. Again, I saw the tweet that said that offers were better from other teams but he wanted to send Kovalchuk off to a better place i get that maybe that's brownie points to see if he can maybe wait that's that was a real report yeah i didn't see that maybe that's maybe that's some sort of unwritten condition that he he tries to sign in montreal uh depending and then matthew pekka 
for for a second but this is that's fine and, and that's more or less uh what i expected uh there were a lot of bigger rumors surrounding price tatar petri but um we're gonna talk i'll let you say who you think won this deadline because i'm assuming you're gonna say ottawa and i think that would make sense well from a or, seller's point of view i think ottawa definitely yeah won out of, okay yeah so out of the sellers who won yeah ottawa? i think ottawa definitely won the deadline they added a bunch of future assets um, a fir- would we add total over the past couple of weeks? A first, second, a third, potentially a third, uh, a fourth, and a fifth? Like, they did exactly what they needed to do. They sold on everybody, and they pretty much now have no- nothing left that they can tear down. So, um, assuming last year's trade deadline was rock bottom for Ottawa, this one's a bit of a step up. I assume next year it's a step up from here. So, at least things look like they're heading in the right direction. But They, they are. You can say that with, yeah. with perfect utility now because of everything he's done um but dorian is gming very well and you know you look at it going into the draft they have three first two of them are in the top 10 most likely um four second round picks seven in the first round 14 total picks and seven are in the first two that's fantastic gming and you look at i read a stat that said since uh they were eliminated in game seven from the penguins he's made 28 trades uh, since and he's done a fantastic job and full credit to Pierre Dorian who we all know. Um, was, yeah, he gets a lot of stick from yeah, me which and is the rest f- of which is, fans and he's earned fair. a lot of it. But but this this really kind of shows they've built a base and in two to three years I think teams uh, should be scared of the Ottawa Senators and what they're going to build. Um, I would agree with you. Out of the sellers, I think they won. Out of the buyers, Carolina. We're going to say Carolina. Yeah, right? I think uh, so. Shea, Carolina Trocheck, for sure. Um, I would also put Edmonton sort of quietly winning with Athanasiu, uh, Mike Green, another one, uh, Tyler Ennis, who had uh, just north of 30 points this year, had another good season um, with the Senators. So those are the two teams that I think won. If you could pick one team, actually, no, I'm going to take this. I would like the floor, please. Yeah, go for okay. it. I know you got a lot to say. Because this is this is ridiculous, and Habs fans should be embarrassed, and the fact that we're still going to these games and that the Bell Center is somehow selling out is a joke. Friedman, McKenzie, and everyone said that the ask for Petrie was massive. Same for Tatar. Bergevin felt the need to hang on to both because he hopes they maybe can contend. Not contend, but contend for a playoff spot. They're not going to be better than Boston, Tampa, Toronto, any of those teams it's contending for the second wild card if spot. ottawa picks first and second are they going to be better than ottawa next year montreal no ottawa's gonna be better 100 percent, thousand percent and the fact that bergevin did not trade a 32 year old defenseman when his value was at his peak mm-hmm. that alone is a fireable offense if barkley goudreau like petrie and tatar can get triple what goudreau got this is ridiculous every year it's well montreal won't do anything unless they're blown away by an offer but that's exactly why they're stuck in no man's land. That's why they're not going to go for it. And it's like, well, people say, well, fans can't really handle a rebuild. It's like, okay, fine. If we can't handle a rebuild, what have the last 26 years been? What have we been doing since Patrick Waugh was traded? Because I guarantee people would would prefer a a clear-cut plan and message laid out for the fans, laid out to the media that says this is what it is. Okay, I bet the reaction from fans would be a lot more tranquil, if you will, if teams came forward and actually had something to look forward to rather than selling a future that never comes. Because in 2010, it was the future. In 2012, it was, well, we have all these prospects in the system. It's built through the draft, but the draft picks we're going we're gonna to trade are Mikhail Sergachev. Okay, that's not how you GM. Thomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie are good pieces. Fantastic hockey. No, fantastic. They're good hockey players, all right? Yeah, they're decent. Are they going to contend with them this year? No. Next year, probably not. 
And if they intend on rebuilding, by the time they do so, the aforementioned players will be out of their prime, way out of their prime. Trading either of them today at max value is what you should have done, and their value will never, ever be higher. This is partly a script, just so you know, because yeah, I, I had to, I, I had I to put tell. a lot of time into this. Now, because I'm a naive fan and because there's a tiny bit of optimism, the only silver lining in any of this is that Bergevin's lack of risk-taking and his misguided confidence that next year's group can make the postseason will ensure hopefully another bad year in a, in a good draft year. They miss the playoffs and he gets fired. That's it. But this alone is pathetic. And the fact that we're selling, what, is Romanov going to be the savior for the left hand, for the left side of Montreal's defense? I like Romanov. He's a good prospect. Is he going to be the savior? No. No. What are we looking forward to? He's ranked as Montreal's number one prospect. We're, we're banking on Romanov, who I really like, to be the guy. It's ridiculous. And I, th- I think, I don't know, it, it, their value, they're not going to be better next year. Petrie and Tatar probably aren't going to have the same numbers this year. As next year, it's it's unbelievable. It's ridiculous, and this it, he should be fired. And it's it's gonna look dumb when he goes up with one first round pick and Ottawa's there. And I guarantee, I bet he gets booed at the draft floor in Montreal. I bet he gets booed. Drafts in Montreal yeah. this year, right? Wow. Yeah. You see, I think that's the one thing, and it's this coming draft is maybe the one thing that Montreal management needs to see. It's Alexei Lafreniere is going to get selected first overall in Quebec. And I think the Montreal management needs to see that and say, wow, wouldn't we have loved a shot at that guy? Shouldn't we have probably tried to evaluate our team better and just look at what we actually are Yeah, and <laughs> tank for that guy? Yeah. Um, obviously, they're never going to come out and say, we got to tank for this guy, but... Well, you don't have to say where you have the tank, but I like what the... Like, I've said that what the Leafs did uh, when the Shannon plan came out, what New York did, said, we, we need to restart because... Chicago did it Chicago back in the day with as well. Taves and Kane. I saw a tweet that said, Mark Bergevin's position clarified, quote, I will not mortgage the future by trading draft picks and prospects to go in, all in every single year. That's what he says all the time. That's fine. But Mark Bergevin, when given a golden opportunity to substantially pad that same future doesn't do it right so he's i saw another tweet he's, he doesn't know what he wants to do and he, he's gming just to gm i saw that tweet mm-hmm. he's gming just to gm he's 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 not gonna take a risk because if it all if it blows up in his face he's to blame but he's not gonna he's not gonna do either that's the problem and i feel like a broken record saying this but there was a a little bit in me that that thought at least one of the Peachy would be traded and now it's 336, the last bit of trades are being announced now. Nothing on Montreal's front. Mark Bergevin is It would have made perfect sense yeah. for them to do it now. This is... It's a, it's going to be even more frustrating next year, say, if the um, if the plan he has here to contend for a playoff spot next year doesn't work out and you're trading them at next year's deadline and you're getting a substantially smaller yeah. package than you could have gotten this year. Yeah, and I, and just I have... Just because of poor foresight. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want a, a Chris Kreider... Obviously, Chris Kreider is a better hockey player than Thomas Tatar, but I don't want a Chris Kreider situation next year where Montreal feel, feels the need to extend him uh, to to a similar extension. Because you're contract. not happy with yeah. what you're getting back. And it's like Thomas Tatar's value. Like He got a first, a second, and a third from, from Vegas after a season of like 30 to 40 points in Detroit. He's broken his career high every single year since. 50 points, 55 points. He's on pace for more than 60 this year. And you don't get a first. All these all these firsts that have been thrown around. And you're not getting... You could get a, a boatload. And with the draft in Montreal, that does make a difference. Now, if he didn't make any moves because his leash is shorter, and maybe there's a chance he gets fired by Molson, which I don't think he will, uh, maybe that's why. But 
Yeah, it's almost like he does a lot of this to just constantly protect his job. He can't. Yeah, it's to save. He face. knows he can't make one more move like the Sergachev for Juran that blows up in his face. Yeah, well, that was he, a. Yeah, he risked it on the Domi for Galchenyuk. Now, luckily to. Day this one has worked. We Sorry, another trade. P- no, Pierre LeBron just tweeted thirty seconds ago. Don't think the Habs are done yet. So if I if if I have to like eat my entire words <laughs> now, I'm freaking out. Okay. okay, I really hope something happens. Please, Tatar Petrie, get a first round pick. I swear to God. Oh man. Oh my God. Anyway, um, anyway, I, I feel like a broken record because I've been saying the same thing. I've been tweeting the same thing. I thought your tweet was really funny today, by the way. But yeah, um, it, it's it's a save face attempt. But if he says, don't think the Habs are done yet, and it's like Nick Cousins for a fourth, I'm going to lose it. Oh, man. They, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be like Nick Cousins. To this the- has to be on my show. I'm sweating. Like, what? Like, yeah. Anyway. um, It's it's going to happen at 3.59 <laughs> as I'm saying goodbye. Oh, my God. That's going to be the last thing people hear on air. Um, So we'll come back to uh, Deadline. I appreciate you letting me rant. Um, yeah, no. But, it's, but uh, to totally quickly touch on the Sergachev thing, I think that was more of a PR move. I think... If Jonathan Drouin does not speak French, he's still in Tampa. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if he, probably. If, you know, um, that's sort of a touchy subject. But let's uh, let's let's talk about the other stuff around the league. The the big story that we saw Saturday night, um, and then we'll we'll go back to the deadline if anything else happens. Go ahead, Nick. Shots are forty eight twenty five Carolina, and they've got the puck. Six shots on goal in this period with so much on the line. Absolutely remarkable. An amazing night. And David Ayers, I'm sure can't believe what's happening to him right now. Played half the game. Faces a shot, makes the save. Keep the puck, David. You've just got a National Hockey League victory. David Ayers. (laughs) Um... Hands up if you knew who he was before uh, Saturday night. Can't do that. My my phone died for 10 minutes, and I, I turned it on to 120 uh, messages. Twitter was blowing up. Um, David Ayers works as a Zamboni driver here at the Madame Athletic Center. Yeah, we play um, we play intramural hockey yeah. there. <laughs> uh, he's 42 years old, and he stepped in when Mrazek got hurt first, right? From Clifford, uh, Reimer got hurt first. Reimer, oh, Reimer got hurt, and then Mrazek, Peter Mrazek, was run over by Kyle Clifford in the second period, and outsteps the emergency backup goalie, David Ayres, Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies. <laughs> um, he is a building operations manager, I believe that's his title at the Madame Athletic Center here, which is affiliated with Ryerson, our school. Um, so that was just wild yeah like, we saw it a couple years ago with scott foster in chicago the local accountant yeah. who came in that and made cool. seven saves and was named the first star of the game but by then there was eight minutes left in the game and chicago was up six two when david Ayers came into the game there was almost 30 minutes left to play yeah, those those are weird because Scott Foster, he faced a lot of quality chances like yep. from Patrick Liney and Dustin Bufflin. The difference with this is that was I get the frustration from Leafs fans. I get the Steve Dangle rant. I get all the all the frustration. They could not generate a shot. They had a power play. They couldn't enter the zone. Um I didn't see a single high danger scoring chance and that's just honestly, that's just an unbelievable story. That's really cool for David Ayers. And um, while Leafs fans are 
trying hard to just enjoy the story, they were pissed. Yeah. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. But at the same time, you have to give credit to Carolina. Yes. The way Carolina adjusted, tightened up uh, systematically was unbelievable and full credit to them. But that's just a cool story. And it's rare for stuff like that to happen. I didn't think when it happened with Scott Foster, was that two years last year? Well, that wasn't last year, was it? That was two years ago. Yeah, Scott right? Foster. No, that was like three years ago now. Okay. It I was didn't, a while ago. Yeah. But man, like I I <laughs> I have no words for it. A yeah, it's forty two year old <laughs> I was so I, when they kept saying emergency backup goalie, I was thinking, okay, maybe they pulled some guy from Ryerson, UFT, York, yeah. one of the goalies that plays yeah. for the hockey teams. But then I see it on Twitter. The emergency backup goalie will be forty two year old David Ayers. Yeah. <laughs> like come and, on. And yeah, overall, it's cool for him. His wife was tweeting about it. Um, that was the best part. His yeah. wife's Twitter was the best part. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's pretty cool. How these are just, you know, they get just these guys. They come. They sit in the. They sit in the room. They meet the team. They're very reliable and volunteering um, in doing that. And to, I don't know, it's just an unbelievable story to go play in at the Scotiabank Center uh, in Toronto. It's pretty cool. Now. Well you, well, you did say before that, like, Carolina deserves all the credit for how they defended so well. Like, we also just have to mention, like, come on, the Toronto Maple Leafs had to put a puck on the net. Yeah, that was pathetic. They, like, that was, as much as it was an amazing effort by the Carolina Hurricanes, it was an equally as pathetic effort by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I don't know. It, what a week. They get blown out in Pittsburgh. Then they blow out Pittsburgh. Almost like it, Leafs Nation was ready to explode the first loss, and yeah. then they calmed down again on the win, and then it was like a volcano went off for Saturday. Yeah, like now, this is a weird sport. I've defended Toronto. I wa- I was, I still I watch the Leafs when they're on. The Leafs are a fun team to watch, um, but I've defended them because I don't think there's an urgency for them to win this year. Also, they just um, extended Jake Muzzin. I think it was 5.6 million. Yes. Um, I miss, Barry's probably going to walk. Um, anyway, I've defended Toronto because Nylander, Matthews, Marner, these players haven't hit their prime yet. And if you look at what Dubas has done since taking over, he's improved the team. So this year has been a really weird year for ho- hockey in general. And just for the Leafs, you look at the Matthews thing that happened earlier this season, the captaincy, the Marner contract, Babcock, Babcock, the the coach abuse. This is just it's just so much happened. Yeah. And I'm not defending how they're playing because they're playing poorly, but I just I don't get the urgency with them. And I and I get a lot of that's because it's Toronto. It's in it's in the epicenter of of a lot of the hockey um, in the country, and, and it makes sense. But I don't I don't think that there's a rush, and I think. I don't know. You saw Ovechkin say earlier this year, well, they're not playing for themselves and they're playing, you know, when you have guys making that much money, they they play for themselves and not as a team. Do you put much stock into that? And do you see a team that's selfish? Because that word is thrown around about the Toronto Maple Leafs a lot. I don't see selfish. I just see a lack of work ethic from those players. Um, I think the one thing that a lot of people pointed out when the Leafs signed the big contracts for all their RFAs was that they paid these players before they won anything. L.A., Chicago, mm-hmm. um, Pittsburgh, The when they won the first one in 2009, they paid all their star players after winning. And all those players weren't making big yeah. money. All the players that helped them weren't making the big money before the yeah. wins. 
And I get that the new RFA standard is to give the players the big contracts right off the hop. Yeah. But again, there is stock in the argument that the Leafs paid these guys before they won anything. Mm-hmm. But that's besides the point. I think a lot of fans have reverted to criticizing Dubas in this situation um, with regards to how he's built the team with a philosophy based on um, analytics and player evaluation. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, it doesn't work, so the Leafs need to go back to grit, heart, bring back Lula Amarello, bring back Mark Hunter, uh, fire Sheldon Keefe, fire Kyle Dubas. I don't think that's the answer no, either. it's really not. It's really not. Um, at the end of the day, one thing that I've seen a lot is that people are like, oh, well, you need the grit, heart, and soul guys because they work hard, and that's why the Islanders are good, Well, for instance. But at the end of the day... Why can't Austin Matthews yeah. have the same work ethic as <laughs> Kyle Clifford? Yeah. He can, but he just doesn't yeah. for whatever reason. And I also think that's the stunning part of this. Th- yeah, and and I've I understand the argument for grit and I've said this on multiple occasions while I am more interested in analytics and overall skill over size and grit. I do think there's some stock to, some stock to be put in grit. But the thing is, the guys who play gritty get more attention because it looks like they're working hard chasing for pucks and making hits. But what that actually shows is you don't have possession of the puck. You don't have Correct. that stuff. Um, I don't know what it is for Toronto. I think the losing Kadri definitely hurt them. But I think they made up for the grit in getting Clifford. I really like the Jack Campbell trade. I think yeah. that's a fantastic well, deal for I, the Leafs. At the end of the day, the Kadri deal hasn't worked how some people thought. Tyson Berry's... Some of his underlings are good. Whether he's the one driving that is up for debate, but a lot of Lee fans have, haven't really liked him. And at the end of the day, it just hasn't been... He played very poorly under Babcock, whether that was because of deployment or whatnot, whatever it is. The fit hasn't been there for them. I got the idea why Dubas made that trade, but at the end of the day, it just hasn't worked. Yeah. So that really hurt them right off the hop because Kadri was a perfect 2C for them. But... I'm not sure reverting back to you need grit, heart, and soul, and toughness to win is the answer here. It's not. No. I I, I don't know. I just think they need to play better as a team, and, and I don't know. Like Twitter was like, do something. Everyone's like, Dubas has to do something. How yeah. can you watch this and not do something? It's like, what is he going to What's do? He, They're what pressed up do against right the cap. Um is it 100% on defense? Is it on the forwards? Muzzin has been their best defenseman consistently all season. He stepped up with with Riley's injury. Barry's yep. been a disappointment. Um, they have been injured off. quite a bit, yeah. to be fair. And and But the thing is, they've been injured. Pittsburgh's been injured. Other teams have been injured. Other teams have injuries. But Toronto's stayed, for the most part, in the race. Yep. I don't know what this team. It's weird. It's, uh, it's a weird situation. I think they're going to be okay. And I also, I really believe... That there's something to be said about team a team not being the favorite going into the going into the playoffs facing adversity, which motivates them to play better. Right. And I think if this is a year where Toronto could surprise you, why why not make it this year after everything that's happened? Right. Because to them it might be a write off. Right. And you know, at the end of the day, like we keep saying though, it does pay. It does pose that interesting debate over what people value in a hockey team, and people point to the quote unquote analytics model not working yet. Well. Pittsburgh has been wildly successful, as have the Chicago Blackhawks, two of the the two best teams, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that we've seen in the 2000s. And they've widely embraced the use of analytic models to dictate players that, like acquiring players with good zone entry numbers, yeah. transition play. That's all big stuff to them. So I don't think, 
I don't think that's the answer for Toronto is tearing this all down again. No, you it's can't not. do that. You can't. So the interesting question now with them that I'll pose to you quick. I compared this Leafs team a lot to the Ottawa Senators in the early 2000s. Okay. In the early 2000s, the Ottawa Senators played the Toronto Maple Leafs four straight times in the playoffs. They had Daniel Alfredson, uh, a young Chris Phillips. They had Marion Hossa. They had, uh, and right around then, sort of came through the ranks, right towards the end of that was Jason Spezza. I don't think he ever actually played the Leafs in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but he came right at the end of all that. Now, when the Senators failed to win each of those times, management responded by trading Marion Hossa for Danny Heatley mm-hmm. to shake it up. Mm-hmm. And the Senators then made the cup final in 06-07, but that was their one last shot at it when that team arguably should have had seven or eight. The Leafs now are on, I think this is their fourth year with the big three, and their second with the big four, including Tavares in it. So this is going to be the second full run-through with this Mm -hmm. group. How many more can you waste for Toronto before you decide to shake it up yeah. and possibly trade one of those guys? And do you do that if you're Toronto? Do you do what Ottawa did? Do you trade a Marner or a Nylander for a similar young player, mm-hmm. but one that just offers you something different? Um, yeah. I, I look at what Washington did when Washington was supposed when Washington got Shattenkirk. And they built up their blue line, and Washington was supposed to be that that team. It's when you actually, I think, have certain weaknesses that you do well. And I feel that if there are two you keep, and two, I maybe like out of the four, out of Nylander, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares, if one's not going to play out their contract, would it be what Tavares, or would it be Nylander? Because Nylander's cheaper. Because you're not, you're probably not yep. trading. You're not trading Matthews at all. No, and you're probably not moving Marner. No. So if it's one of Nylander. Or Tavares out of the big four, right? One but, of them's but which one it, can you move Tavares at this point? It's a big contract, right? And he's the captain. Do they move Tavares like that? I think the only two guys you can move in that situation are Marner and Nylander, because while they're both great, they're the two most obviously frustrating players to Maple Leaf fans. Yeah. So it, it becomes like that ethical question of what do you do? Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, I'm not losing sleep over it. That's for sure. No, not I at love, all. I, I, this is this is good to see. But uh, it's it's fun. <laughs> it's watching weird. David Ayers. That's honestly, fun. this is just a weird year for hockey in general. All the coaching yep. stuff. All the the teams that are playing well. The team. I thought um, Anaheim would be better. I thought San Jose would be a lot better this year. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect um, the Islanders to maintain their success from last year. Uh, overall, some some crazy changes. Um, do you want to then now do, since we're done with the Leafs, do you want to just talk about maybe some past teams, uh, Stanley Cup winners, and their approach to the yeah, deadline, you have, and then we can sort of look at maybe who are the favorites now coming out of this year? Yeah, you have your uh, your notes, so I'll let you uh, okay. start that. So I took a look at former Stanley Cup winners. We will do the last five Stanley Cup champions for the, this sake, uh, the sake of this conversation, and we're just going to look at their deadline deals and what they did to transform their teams. And then we'll probably just sum it up with talking about who again came out the big winner today and who you can see going further. So Pat, I'll start with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. They acquired Kimo Timonen for a second round pick and a conditional fourth from uh, Philly. 
Antoine Vermet from Arizona for a first-round pick in Klaus Dalbeck, and Andrew Desjardins from San Jose for Ben Smith, a seventh-round pick. Hmm. And if you recall, Vermette was terrible largely for the regular season, didn't score all the way until the third round of the playoffs when they played against Anaheim. But are those moves you would still be comfortable <laughs> with a contending team making these days? I mean, that seems like... Okay, this sounds cheesy, but Chicago was kind of a team of destiny. Yep. The way they played, Shaw, Bickle, or was Bickle 2012? Bickle, Bickle, was, Bickle was still here at this Bickle point. Bickle was there. The way they played was unbelievable. With or without those those added players, that team's going on a run. Yep. And I'd be honest, I don't remember enough of that. Of of because Montreal had their Montreal was that was when on the, the run with Boston. I wasn't watching a lot of Western hockey at that right. at that time. Um, but I think no matter what, that team was going to be successful. I don't think Vermette makes or breaks it. Vermette was better in the in the in the late thousands than um than that. But I think I think you still pay that price just for the three game winning goals he gave you in the yeah. playoffs. Why not? Yeah. Um, well, you okay. follow Chicago a little bit more. Yeah, I watched them a lot back yeah. then. Um, but yeah, they uh they, again you'd pay that price every time for a yeah. Cup. Yeah. 100%. All right. Quickly, Penguins in 15-16. Trevor Daly from Chicago for Rob Scuderi. Wow, that's a big one. <laughs> Carl Hagelin from Anaheim for David Prawn and Adam Clendenning. That one, again, really yes. worked out well for them. Yes. And Justin Schultz from Edmonton for a third-round pick. Yep. That is how you approach a deadline. 100%. That and, is... and Schultz was good. Rutherford does it every single year. Yep. He blows me away, and for some reason, they still end up having young players who are going to be good. Yep, and, and no, that is that right there. I think is the example yep. of how you approach a deadline. You go for undervalued players. You didn't Look, give Pittsburgh up much for them. Too. They gave up nothing but roster players yeah. and a third round pick there. That's yep. perfect. Yep. All right. The next year when Pittsburgh won it, they did Ron Hainsey from Carolina for Danny Cristo and a second round pick, Christo's and Mark Streit from Tampa Bay for a fourth round pick. Yeah. Uh, so again, two depth defensemen. They ended up needing them both to beat Ottawa. Yeah, and then after that, uh, Strite, Strite barely played in the cup final. Right. And then Danny, I feel like Danny Cristo was a Habs pick. I could be wrong. Yeah, um, probably. I don't know. They seem to find a way to do it. Um, Again, depth defenseman, it's important. It's important heading into the playoffs, right? A lot yeah. of injuries uh, rack up. It's a long season. Again, those are trades you make just for the sake of winning. Oh, uh, there it is. Nick Cousins to Las Vegas. What's the okay? We'll, we'll wrap up with that one at the end. I'll just quickly go Washington Capitals 2017 oh, 18. Michael Kempney from Chicago for a conditional third round pick. Excellent trade. Mm-hmm. Excellent trade. Yep. He was partnered with Carlson throughout that run. And Jacob Jarabek from Montreal for a fifth round pick. Another yeah, depth good. defenseman. He played for them in the playoffs. Yeah, Jarabek was pretty good in the playoffs. Um, after that, I don't even know if he's still in the league. No, now, he's not. But, um, but he, he did well. I liked Jarabek in Montreal. I liked him in Washington. They, they for some reason, were were after him for a while but um yeah those are two good trades i like and then finally st louis blues last year 2018-19 they made one trade which was michael delzato from anaheim for a sixth round pick and he pretty yeah. much just did spot duty for them yeah and yeah that, but I, again so i think a... this shows you very rarely do you chicago went for the home run approach in 14-15 they whiffed but it still worked out yeah but I think going for the smarter, undervalued approach, like a Pittsburgh or a Washington, I think is clearly the thing yeah. you got to do in these situations. Yeah, right? I think so. I feel because I feel like if you add big names, like if you look at when a team, okay, you're, we're going to look at Carolina, or we yeah. look at at Columbus last year, adding adding Duchesne, adding the players they added. The home run were, approach yeah. barely works. Yes, they, when you're too aggressive, and there's something to be said about the way a team is built. 
before and after deadline if there are too many changes. Like you said, the St. Louis Blues didn't change much. Right. Um, Chicago didn't change much. But these teams, Columbus, that added all these players, Carolina were, were declaring a win, adding all these players. The expectations were for Colorado this year. Right to go after um, a top six left winger, maybe a defenseman, maybe add a better goalie, and they were pretty quiet. And people are ready to declare Sakic and those guys um, losers of the deadline. But again, I I, th- I think there's a chance. Also, Carolina's not in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, yeah. So this but again, again this is the but thing. you look at what they did. They I think they did a very similar things to what the Pittsburgh Penguins and yeah. Washington Capitals did. They acquired all these. Uh, Vincent Trocheck, big undervalued piece. That's bigger name than any of those yep. teams acquired. Much bigger name, mm-hmm. and they didn't give up much to do it. That's the kind of deal that you got to be looking for at the deadline. I think, like constantly, the home mm-hmm. run picks and all that. I guess because in my lifetime, I haven't seen Ottawa much of that much of a contender or have to yeah. give up anything at the deadline like that. But that was the perfect move to me today. That was like the best deal today, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of a weird. That's also weird for. Um... Yeah, from uh, from Florida's standpoint, they, I'm trying to think. The only um, the only real like blockbuster closest thing that Montreal did at the deadline was uh, when they got Vanek. Yeah, right. Um, I forget that was a it was a second round pick and a prospect, uh, Sebastian Kohlberg for Thomas Vanek. That's kind of exciting to see, but that's yep. the closest thing. It's not Mark Stone level nope. or any other any other uh, trade of that yeah. caliber. So Overall, I, I think I think what we can conclude definitely is that the undervalued pickups are the ones that work out so much better. And I think Carolina's gonna be really happy with Vincent Trocheck this year and next. Quickly before we go off air, disappointment level that it was only Nick Cousins for a fourth round pick. Uh, through the roof. I'm very pissed off, and I, <laughs> oh, like I can't believe this. It's so like, like you. Sh- I don't know. Ottawa is gonna gonna do well and in, in Montreal for the draft. Also, real quick, uh, Christian Juice to the Ducks for Daniel Sprong. That's a trade that just happened. Interesting. F- who was Juice playing for? Uh, I, I might. Uh, I don't know. All right, I we will be you. back next week to tell you who exactly Christian Juice <laughs> plays for. Um, I want to say Washington. Pat, Pat and I wrong. are gonna sit here just reminiscing about the deadline. Yes. Luke, you can enjoy the Vancouver Canucks possibly in the playoffs, hopefully in the playoffs for your sake. Uh, Yeah, a couple of different deadline approaches. But thank you very much for listening to Take to Take on Spirit Live, and we will see you next week.